0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to A Life Extraordinary. I'm your show host, Roberto, coming to you today live from Iceland in a camper van. And, um, you know, it's a little bit of a different life to do the camper van life in Iceland, but somewhat different than the regular way of traveling the country. And currently, I'm looking for the wine opener in the camper van because there is no proper camper van life without a good bottle of wine. So uh, let's start with that in a moment, and then I'll begin to tell you a little bit about the tips and tricks of traveling this country in one of the most simple and easy ways. Now, you could um, do Iceland with uh, hotels and uh, uh, different, uh, perhaps, amenities more attuned to the luxury traveler, but I like to mix things up a little bit. Perhaps a blend of uh, luxury life, while at the same time, a life of, uh, you know, perhaps van life, as they would say. Now, in Iceland, there are so many different camper van companies that you can rent campers from. And they used to be a lot more affordable than they are now. That being said, you can have a camper while at the same time um it's a little you have a, car, a vehicle uh, I am opening this bottle of wine, a trapiche gran medalla malbec um in order to perhaps make the night a little bit more interesting um a set of wheels like the one we've got right now it's uh it's a three person but really you could sleep a family of five in it. Um, and you've got two levels in the back, a uh, top-level bunk that will easily hold uh, hold about two to three young humans. And then you've got uh, down below, you've got the, the second level, which you can use as your dinette table. And then after that, um, you have your wheels. Now, for a camper like this, it would cost about... Five hundred dollars Canadian a day, and that is definitely uh, affordable when it comes to having both a set of wheels and uh, your house. Because in Iceland, most places will put you back about two hundred and fifty U.S. dollars a night um, if you're looking for a median of luxury. But none of these places are really right by a waterfall or a river or. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a little bit distracted here. Um, so that that's and I think that's what really differentiates the campervan life because you can camp beside a river, you could camp beside a waterfall, you could watch the northern lights. and so many people when they travel uh, through a hotel, they don't end up seeing um, the play, the the auroras, the northern lights because if you're seeing the northern lights, it's often because you're outside already. But if you're in your hotel room, let's see if we can hear. Oh, I think you might have heard that, right? Uh, but if you're outside in your hotel room, then it could be, um, then you're not so likely to see them. Now, it's getting a little bit hot in here, so I'm going to turn down the heating. The camper vans in Iceland basically come with the same amenity, amenities of van life than uh, than a lot of different places. <laughs> I'm being told perhaps not to turn the heating down. But uh, but it's loud and I'm getting hot. And uh, even if it's cold and windy outside, uh, the camper van keeps you quite warm and cozy. One of the things about Iceland is that pitching a tent isn't exactly the best of ways to camp in this country because it's windy as hell. And sometimes with the rain, the sleet, the snow, it comes in sideways and every which way. Um, And my friend Jose Pablo who's been pitching his tent all over the country right now, has uh, experienced having to hold the tent down while, um, while so that it doesn't blow away. <laughs> and, and every time you set it up or take it down, you have to be careful to be holding on because otherwise the tent can fly away because it is so, so very windy. So definitely make sure to um, put something inside your tent quite quickly so that you can be sure that uh it won't fly away now um different companies that you can rent a camper van from here um there's uh, camp easy which is the one we're currently in and they've got they've been around for a good 7 years or so and there's a lot of uh companies that offer camper vans but this one happens to give you 4x4 that being said the 4x4 <laughs> side of things didn't really work out for us last night, because I did end up in sand that was a little bit too thick, and uh, a $900 rescue was required this morning to get us out of the sand. Not the way I I intended to start my day, but that is travel, and without uh, misadventure on the adventures, well, perhaps it's not truly an adventure. I'm going to take a swig of this Grand Medalla wine, my apologies. Mm. Ah, there we go. Makes camper life a little bit more bourgeois. Now, um, there's a lot of uh, consternation in Iceland about camper vans, because with the advent and the growth of, <clears throat> excuse me, and the growth of tourism, this has made it um, such that, uh, that the countryside and a lot of people's farms and beaches and uh, driveways end up with inadvertent tourists. And there's a segment of Icelandic population that says, this is amazing, we're bringing so much money to the country. Um, all these different tourists uh, spend at the gas stations and the stores and at all the activity centers and uh, on the hikes and the ice cave tours the whale-watching tours, et cetera, et cetera. But then there's a group of Icelanders that say, well, they're not spending enough because they're not spending at the hotels, perhaps, that, um, that the traditional tourists would stay at. And they're creating a mess because a lot of people that do begin to do the camper Life um, do tend to go to the loo outside the van. And one of the things that makes pooping Outside of a camper van in Iceland, a little bit different than in another country is that it's volcanic rock. So when someone goes to the loo, it just stays there and it doesn't biodegrade into the ground in the same way that it would in, say, Canada, where you've got <laughs> lots of lots of uh, soil that absorbs uh, obviously the natural human poop and and whatnot. So what happens in Iceland is that places that are very, very frequented end up with little statues of poop all around. And understandably, the Icelanders that are looking to keep this country pristine um, and clean, and frankly, any tourist that's going around as well, appreciates that it would be uh, clean as such. Um, So there's, there's, there's that discord there. Also... The road infrastructure of Iceland was not prepared originally to take two million tourists a year. And it's been a bit of a, a, a growing pains when it comes to having so many more vehicles on the road than they're used to. Fortunately, over the last five, six years, I've noticed that the infrastructure in the country for these roads has increased dramatically. Um, now, a lot of people are like when we're going over a bridge would ask me, why is there only a one lane bridge? Um, when, uh, why don't they build a two lane bridge? And why is this road so narrow? And why, why isn't there a shoulder on the road? And the reason is that, as many of you know, roads are very costly. So if you were to build a shoulder on every roadway that is in Iceland outside of the cities, it would be unaffordable for a country that's only 350,000 people. Bridges. There are plenty of bridges, uh, in the country because it's a, it's a country of rivers coming down from the glacier uh, and obviously making their way to the ocean. And each bridge, for those that don't know, can cost you know uh, anywhere from tens of millions of dollars to hundreds of millions of dollars, particularly if the soil beneath is soft like the Icelandic sand and the black sand tends to be. So, so for the country to build two-lane bridges uh, in every location around the, the island would be once again unaffordable. And this has made it such that a lot of accidents had happened during the growing pains period of having so many vehicles on the road because the country's infrastructure was just not meant for that. Also, you end up having a lot of drivers that just don't know how to drive in Iceland um, because they're not used accustomed to having 75 kilometer an hour winds hit their van um, and move them over a meter um, and then readjust. And so I have to say the truth truth be told that that uh, the Oriental um, demographics that of tourists that comes to Iceland are known by Icelanders to be the worst drivers. And uh, basically they're always saying that they, they're constantly, constantly rescuing um, people from Southeast Asia and from China um, that just aren't accustomed to driving this type of conditions in the roads. And you take a big van like, uh, like a big camper van and it becomes a sale, you know. Even the people at the camper van camper... Rental companies will tell you, like, hey, you know, you've got to be really careful when you're driving uh, in high wind conditions because if Icelanders have to put up signs um, every, I'd say, 100 kilometers, 60, 60 to 100 kilometers, you'll find a particular sign that gives you this, the wind speed, the uh, wind direction, and the temperature because each segment of the highway can have different wind speeds. Uh, than the previous section. And so you go over a pass and suddenly you're getting hit by 75 kilometer an hour winds. You're not accustomed to it. There aren't shoulders on the highway. Um, And so if you aren't driving during those conditions near the middle of the road, then uh, very easily you get blown off the road. Uh, Rescue service in Iceland is something that uh, is frequently used. You know, I have to say it was the first time that I had to use it. But unfortunately, the van that we have is far too heavy uh, to for me to have dug it out. And the guy that was taking us out today had to give it about three or four attempts to get us out of the sand because it was just uh, too deep. And he explained to me that if you break through the top section of the soil um, here in Iceland uh, and you hit what he calls the black sand, um, then you're stuck because that sand is extremely soft and it just goes down and down and down and down, he said. So the key was trying to get the van to stay on the top part of this, of this black sand. And every time it broke through, then he had to get us unstuck again. And, and I was a little bit concerned, uh, at the beginning because after three attempts, we actually had gotten deeper away from where we were trying to get out versus. Um, versus in the direction that we needed to until the guy said, you know what, I'm going to have to do this a different way. And he put his uh, his tow truck on the front and put the winch system and pulled the van from the front out uh, in order to get us out. Whereas uh, he had tried to pull us from the tow hitch on the back uh, the last few times. And this is a frequent sight in Iceland, tourists being rescued. Because even I, after seven trips here, I'm a tourist because I tried to drive this van like I would drive my pickup truck. And obviously it's not. So when you take the bigger camper vans, do be aware that while there are plenty of nice roads and F roads to take, don't head into the black sands because ye shall get stuck more likely than not. Um, but sometimes we have to learn the hard way. And uh <laughs> and and perhaps I should have spent that nine hundred dollars on some wonderful, luxurious hotel versus getting unstuck. That being said, I have stories for a lifetime to say of those events and the place where we got stuck last night we ended up seeing the Northern Lights. And we'll post some really cool pictures of watching the Northern Lights from the top of the van, and we took some spectacular videos, I mean, or photos, uh, of the Northern Lights dancing upon us. So I think if you go on my Instagram stories, at The Expeditioners, you'll find that, um, that although we were stuck, it was just okay. And we had a wonderful night nonetheless, um, watching the skies and, <laughs> and, and having a really, really nice, nice time. I had meant to, um, to build a fire last night. Um, but perhaps I got a little bit too distracted before I could do that. And as the winds go in Iceland, <clears throat> you have to take advantage of, uh, of nights with calm wind to start a fire because otherwise, um, the wind tends to kick up quite quickly and uh, the rain and the sleet. Although I have to say, you know, I'm trying to tell you that the weather is terrible here and that oftentimes you can't. And yet the last few days have felt quite summer-like, uh, including today. So to recap of our adventures within the last 24 hours of camper vanning in Iceland, it began with <clears throat> searching for an off-road F-road to get uh, an F road is basically any of their gravel roads that go off um, the what's the what's the name of the highway one called Man Land Landman, ah, I'll try and get the name but uh, maybe a swig of wine will help mm. and um, and so we were we began by looking for one of these roads to find a cool spot to camp because that is the essence of having a camper van in Iceland is finding those places off the beaten path where you can watch the skies, watch the waves, perhaps even take out your paddle boards and go for a spin. And uh, and the camper van uh, company, Camp Easy, actually offers uh, paddle boards that you can rent as well to take with you. In our case, um, the camper van is sponsored, so that's quite nice. Uh, otherwise, it would have been about $5,800. And I think I might extend it for another week or so, because once you're here, you may as well enjoy it to the fullest. Um, so it began by searching for that road. Then I saw an offshoot road from that F road. and I was like, oh, I'll go that way. And 100 meters in, I realized that the sand was getting quite soft. So I turned the van around. But after I had turned it around, I lost all momentum and obviously for those that know driving in sand the moment your momentum is gone that is when uh you end up getting stuck <laughs> so so then we we got stuck and we gave it a go to dig out um we had a cord a cord a bag of wood pieces that we were using uh to try and get unstuck and uh unfortunately it did not work and after maybe an hour or so the sun was setting um, we realize, you know what? It is what it is. Let's just, uh, make some dinner, uh, open a bottle of wine and, uh, and take it from there. And I think that's one of the neat things about camper van life is that you can actually take a much slower pace of doing everything. Wake up late, see the sunrise, um, make coffee, um, and, and enjoy being in a space, uh, with your friends or your significant other um, while you're watching the skies and all these adventures. Um, it's one of my favorite ways to travel the country and, uh, and a way that I'll often be coming back to do. And I do recommend taking the four by four camper. Now I have the Viking right now. Uh, it's called the Viking camper van. Um, and this one is that, that five, uh, five passenger <laughs> van and it is uh, one of the larger behemoths in their lineup of vehicles. It's got a roof rack upon which we've put the paddle boards and a bag of gear. Um, it's got storage underneath. The dinette table turns into a bed. And and then you've got, a, a, it comes with an iPad. Well, somewhat... A, Electronic pad, whatever it might be, not exactly an Apple iPad, and it's got internet that you could use for, for the iPad for connecting up to five or six devices. It's got recommended sites to see on the iPad. On that note, maybe I should check out a few ones from where we are now. Um, and it's also got a live chat that you can chat with the camper van company um, as well. And uh, I'm getting a little distracted here. Mm. Um, what else can I tell you about these camper vans? Oh yeah. The smaller sized van is for those, if you're just a couple and, uh, and feeling like taking these F roads to explore a bit deeper, it's probably the, the vehicle that I'd recommend for you versus taking the Viking because the Viking due to its size and weight will have a tendency perhaps of getting more stuck than you, if you had that's that smaller van, a few other companies that I've um worked with or collaborated before uh go campers uh as well as one i'm not sure if they do four by fours i think they do do pickups that have a camper on the back um but obviously it's a pop up camper so not the same size as you would have uh from camp easy um i've also also have i gone there's happy campers um And then, uh, and then, uh, Kefkar Car Rentals is definitely a company I like to go to. And they've got more old fashioned, uh, camper vans. But, uh, for those people that are on a budget and don't want to pay $5,800 for 10 days, then, uh, then definitely check out Kefkar because he's got some great, great vehicles, um, for those, uh, budget travelers. Actually, a lot of photographers and videographers like to go with Kefkar simply because he's got, uh, it's a lot more affordable. And at the same time, you still have um, your wheels, um, your your vehicle, and uh, your hotel all in one. And so for those people that are traveling the country on a budget, then it makes it a lot easier. What will you find in one of these uh, Viking camper vans like the one I'm in right now? Uh, Well, looking around, um, the front 3 seats are uh, are three the front row is three passenger seats you've got a heating system that uh, runs off the diesel tank directly so you don't actually have to be uh, changing propane tanks for the heating of the vehicle i think it's got two sets of batteries so that you don't have issues of having your batteries die while you're on your camper van uh, trip it's got uh, a little sink um for doing dishes brushing your teeth and things like that the water that comes into the sink is in a, a plastic container that you detach and fill up as needed. On that note, I think tomorrow morning we should do that. And then you've got a little fridge. And that little fridge is uh it won't fit that many things, but uh enough to fit maybe a few bottles of wine, uh cheese. And uh, it's, do you need anything else on a camper van trip? I don't think so. I think that the <laughs> wine, cheese and good company uh, will do the trick. Um, some of the locations that you'd really like to hit up um, when you do have your camper van. Um, I'd begin by driving out uh, from Reykjavik to um and Skogafoss. There's also a, a neat hidden waterfall. I like to go with people called Natusagil. I'll let you guys try and Google that one and see if you can find it. And it is down the road, a little bit further away uh, than the other ones. Then from there, you can head up to Skogafoss, uh, which is that giant majestic waterfall that you see in so many pictures and videos of people. And that's actually a spot that a lot of people like to camp at. So two, the first two spots that you can uh, park your camper van, uh, number one... Uh, Right to the right of Seljalan Foss, if I'm uh, sorry, yeah, to the re- to the left of Selgelland Foss, if I'm facing the waterfall, there's a small campground that's got showers, uh, a bathroom, and a and a kitchen. It, it's about uh, three thousand krona or thirty dollars to park there for the night. And what's really neat is you've got the waterfall of Seljalan Foss at night, uh, which makes it really nice because you've got uh, they've got big lights on it. now, uh, five six seven years ago when i used to come here i would be the only van and sometimes even the tent parked uh pitched right in front of the the waterfall but times are a change and if they built a big parking lot um and the, the frequency of visitors is far bigger so definitely easier to stay at the camp uh spot that's just a little bit over uh skogafoss i don't know how many times i've slept in a camper in the parking lot because it's a waterfall that requires more time if uh if you're doing this slow travel camper van life and you're really focusing on taking photos and videos um it's a place that you can arrive uh, around four or five o'clock do some shooting um do some videos go back in the camper have dinner and then in the morning uh particularly you'll have the sunlight on the waterfall and that creates a double rainbow pretty much all the time. Um, that, that people are like, wow, I'm so lucky. I've seen the double rainbow at Skogafoss. Uh, I'm so unique. This must never happen. And well, truth be told, the, the double rainbow is pretty much always there as long as the sun is hitting the waterfall from Skogafoss. You could keep heading east along the coastline of Iceland. And if for the, those a bit more brave or that have more time, um, you could have taken uh, a bit of an off uh, section of Iceland that very few people tend to do. And we did that just a couple of days ago. And you take a ferry that's just next to Salgerland and you take it over to West Manabayer. And in West Manabayer, you'll find one of the most unique little towns that I've ever seen. And you can climb up the Red Volcano uh, Rock. I do recommend you actually use the trail because if you're not going on the trail and you happen to go up the backside of the volcano like I did the other day, then you'll find yourself dealing with very, very loose volcanic rock that uh, if you're not accustomed to walking in those type of conditions, that you could easily slip and fall and careen off a cliff to your untimely death. So better to use the trail or to uh, learn how to walk on mountains. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I swear I'm not giving it indirect here by any means. Um, and and once you get to the top of the volcano, you look over the town, and you could see the crown um, of the natu- Natural Amphitheater, which is a place where 20,000 people congregate every end of July for concerts and events um, on this tiny island that probably has no more than... 500 people. (laughs) Oh yes, it is also an island that will surprise you with its smell because you could be driving around uh, looking at these beautiful sights and the sun setting and suddenly you get hit by this whiff where you turn to the passenger next to you in the car and you say, my lord, what did you have for lunch? Only to, uh, for both of you to realize that neither is the culprit but that it's actually the scent of the town. Swig of wine required. Mm. And the scent of the town is dreadful. And the reason is, is that the livelihood of the people of this town is fishing. And so there's a port and there's um, a freezing uh, facility for fish, cod, herring, and basically, everybody that works in that town works in the fishing industry, uh, aside from the few places that are starting to be uh, developed as Airbnb rentals and hotels. Um, but when we first discovered the place, I, it was on my last trip, I think in October, uh, that I discovered that I actually went for it for the first time. And there were Icelanders on the ferry and they were saying, how did you hear about West and, uh And we said, oh, well, we looked at a map and said, hey, look, there's some islands. Let's go see them. And uh, while you're taking the ferry, there's a well-known island that uh, there's even a meme about. And you see this tiny house, uh white house, in a cradle of uh, grass on this desolate, desolate island. And the meme that goes around the world, and if you could probably Google it, like the loneliest house in the world or the last house on Earth, and the meme basically says, um, why? Uh, question mark. And then, like, as in, why do you have this tiny house on an island in the middle of fuck nowhere? <laughs> and and the reason is, um, on the meme, they're like, why? Because fuck people. And, um, hey, you know, uh, probably makes sense. But the true story behind that house is that it actually belongs uh, to a group of uh, Icelanders that pay a membership to be able to use it to go hunting, and you're like, what the hell are you going to go hunting for on this tiny island? And uh, I think it's primarily partridge and some type of birds that they like to go hunt there. And in order to get to these islands, there's actually two of them. Um, you have to time the tide just right because that's a Zodiac boat landing on uh, on a very, very rocky and treacherous shore. And I've heard stories that sometimes people have to stay there for a week or two extra because the boats simply just can't. Uh, land there, um, but definitely a gem of a town. Um, you hike the volcano. You're if you're a bit more uh, adventurous, like us, you can grab some paddle boards like you like from Camp Easy, and you can paddle out to what's known as the Elephant Rocks. And these are big rock formations that are close to the amphitheater that look exactly like an elephant uh, tusk going down into the water. And there's some pretty picturesque caves. Uh, there as well that uh that once you're in them you'll feel in love uh with life, with rock formations, and with the adventure of the moment. Um and I was out there with some friends just yesterday, I think it was, or the day before, and uh and we all felt quite alive because we were doing something in Iceland that most people don't tend to do. Um what else did I want to tell you about the West Manor Bayer? Um, there's actually where the, when the ferry comes in, there's some sheer cliffs, um, right to the right. And there's actually a, um, what should we call it? It would be like a whale or a dolphin pen. And apparently they used to keep two dolphins or, or porpoise, uh, porpoises, uh, there, uh, for rehabilitation. Now, this is the type of community that perhaps it was for whaling in the past. So perhaps a bit more of a dark history there. But uh apparently they had used the pens on most recent uh most recent uh, events to help rehabilitate um some sea mammals. So that's that's really, really unique and different. Um and yeah, definitely recommend that island for somebody that wants to do a little bit different. And if you take your camper van, you can camp at the uh amphitheater. Um and I and from the amphitheater, there's a nice hike that you can kick up the crown and see the views of West Bayer and of Iceland from a completely different perspective. So I think that's just enough for for a little bit on the camper life in Iceland tonight. And uh, I'm going to start making some pasta for my friends so that we can enjoy watching the stars. And uh, stars, are they out tonight? No, I don't think they're out tonight. Well, we can just enjoy the camper life. Because um, another thing that I really like about that is The day after, there's no fixed checkout time. So you can stay in bed and do whatever you want, however long you want, um, until you're ready to greet the day. I'm Roberto for the Expeditioners. Thanks for tuning in today. And we'll see you next time. Over and out.